Welcome to Textile Update, the podcast where we can share our passion for textiles, fibers, and yarns. This is Gwendolyn Hustvedt. In this second of three episodes, I'm going to be discussing the category of knits called weft knits. These are knits that are familiar if you've done hand knitting, although we'll be talking about them from the mechanical knitting perspective. I told you that I wasn't going to be talking about hand knitting, but of course, I really do love hand knitting. I remember learning how to knit when I was in junior high. I remember sitting in the library on the floor with, uh, let's see, maybe it was the Miss of Avalon on my knee and my knitting. Gosh, I was such a nerd in junior high, Uh, but I did have my little gang of nerd friends, so it was just fine being a nerd. Uh, Knitting is not necessarily seen as a nerdy thing, but in fact, uh, as I've mentioned several times, um, a friend of mine, um, her partner works for IBM, and he's described to me how the tumblers used in um, uh, punch card knitting were used to develop the punch cards for early IBM machines to read the machine code. So um, knitting certainly uh, has its nerdy aspects. I enjoy machine knitting as well. And so I will be introducing you to some of the language or ideas around machine knitting. In fact, I think it would be a great idea if you wanted to Google uh, uh, machine knitting and or especially circular machine knitting right now so you could look at some of the pictures I might be talking about. That would be great. But go back and picture, I don't know, Miss Marple, right, with her two knitting needles and she's got her fluffy blue wool and she's knitting something while looking over her spectacles uh, innocently at her suspect, who she is subtly questioning. And you'll notice that what she's doing is sticking a stick into the loop on one needle. So she sticks the one needle into the loop on the other needle, wraps thread around the needle she's just stuck through the loop, and pulls that thread out using the tip of the the needle. And so what she's done is she's added a loop to the loop that was on the one needle by making the the loop that she's added to it onto the other needle. And then she pulls the old loop that she's just added to off of the old needle and repeats. So what you end up with is this stack of loops, one on top of each other, where the thread is going from loop to loop crosswise across the needles. And that's part of why they're called weft or or filling knits, because the loops are built horizontally on top of each other. Now, in mechanical knitting, one or more yarns continuously are carried back and forth using something called a carriage, right? And uh, so the carriage travels around, and instead of needles, what happens is the carriage actually has a little hook that connects with a, a hook on the bed of the knitting machine. So my um, uh, silver knit machine, uh, brother is, a, is the, it's the same machine as a brother machine uh, manufactured in Japan. Uh, and oh boy, uh, if you ever went to the Toyota Museum, you would see all kinds of uh, knitting and weaving machines because Toyota didn't start with cars. And um, so you would see that this um, that this bed of needles, uh, so on my flat bed knitting machine, the needles are all in a long row. 
and uh, the carriage has the the yarn, the one continuous yarn in it. And as you pull the carriage, uh, mine I pull by hand, as you pull the carriage past each of the little hooks, uh, so we call them needles, but they're actually little latch hooks. These hooks grab the yarn that you're pulling by and pull them through the loop that was hanging off the neck of the hook. And then, um, so they pull the loop through and then uh, the, uh, the new loop is now hanging on the hook and the old loop is hanging just below it. And then you move the carriage to the next hook and the next and the next. In a circular knitting machine, the carriage just goes around in a circle, around and around. And you actually potentially have one carriage following another carriage immediately behind it. So one hook will hook a yarn that was being carried by the first carriage. And then just a few moments later, the second carriage will pass by and it will hook the second yarn. The fact that we're building the, the yarns uh, on a circular knitting machine in big factories um, in a, in a uh, you know, one after the other means that um, let's say that we have seven carriages, eight carriages that are going around. It means that in fact, in any stack of, of eight loops, each of those are eight different yarns. And it means we kind of have this spiral staircase effect as the loops are being built, that the loops are all kind of going, right, um, everything's being built upward in one direction. This can create a problem with skew, where everything kind of wants to twist in the direction the carriages were pushing. I visited a knitting facility in uh, for a company called Natalco in Peru. Peru is excellent at knits, uh, second only to Italy in global reputation. And uh, this facility was a gorgeous facility. You could see how much care had been taken to ensure that uh, the knits were properly done. Uh, things like uh, each knitting machine was in its own glass enclosed booth, which reduced the sound, but also meant that the air handling system in the um, wooden floor, there were ducts under the wooden floor, and then a huge kind of sucker um, vent thing above the knitting machine were sucking up any loose fibers to reduce pilling later. And this is the sort of thing you could see in a factory where they were taking care to make a better customer experience through the design of the factory. Uh, lower quality factories that you visit will have things like concrete floors with no ducts underneath to reduce uh, the amount of fiber in the air. And what they were doing was they were knitting a single, uh, uh, one single line of a stripe, right? Um, that, uh, uh, so the, the, the carriage would pass by and then another little hook would come out and hook a, a little black thread over just one needle. That one needle, all it was doing was knitting with just this one black thread, or in this case, two black threads that were a couple of stitches apart. So that when it came time to cut the fabric into a big flat sheet, they would actually cut right between these two black stitches that were a stripe up the side of the tube. And that meant that they knew that the that all of the uh, stitches were exactly stacked on top of each other because they didn't accidentally cut the tube in a diagonal line. I know I've just explained a lot verbally, but uh, it's uh, this is a challenge, this skew problem low quality knitted goods will always kind of subtly twist in one direction. You may have had a t-shirt that did this, right? Where the seam on one side kind of went to the back a bit and the seam on the other side kind of went to the front a little bit. They never feel right. They always kind of constrict and bind and don't feel as good, as relaxed as ones where they've been very careful to make sure that they uh, address this 
sort of inherent twist that's built in by the machine. Now that I've talked a bit about the machine, which is kind of tough to do in a podcast, like I said, I hope you found some pictures. Uh, I want to talk about what you would see if you looked at the surface of a knitted fabric. It would be easier if you were looking at kind of a bulky sweater as opposed to a t-shirt, but either way, if you look at the fabric, you'll be able to see, especially like a t-shirt, which is a jersey knit, you'll be able to see that it definitely has a front side and a back side of, of what's called the face, the technical face, and the back. And on the front side, you'll see a feature that we call very creatively whales. I told you we'd steal from knits. So the whales are these vertical columns of loops. And they kind of look like V's on the front of the fabric. And if we were counting how many needles per inch, the gauge of the fabric, of the knitted fabric, we would count how many stacks of V's there are in that one inch of fabric. That would tell us how many needles there were because each loop is made by one needle. Now the back side, we don't see those V's. What we see on the back side, uh, or, well in the case of Jersey, but this is a feature that we could see on both sides of a pearl knit for example, but I'm having you look at a, uh, something that's Jersey knitted like a t-shirt, uh, you would see that there are this sort of squiggly scallop shapes. We call those courses. And this is basically the bottom of one loop and the top of the other loop where they connect. Right, so you can see that, oh, okay, that I see. That's where the, the yarn was pulled up through that loop and then went around and then came back down, right? So the, the top part of the scallop in the course is the top of the loop below. And then right next to it, there's a, uh, a curve that faces down and that's the um, distance between the two loops where the yarn is moving to the next whale. So courses are like little squiggles and whales are stacks of Vs. And we can count them by looking at the fabric to determine what's called the gauge. So the number of whales in an inch. This is kind of equivalent to a woven thread count in that low gauge knits behave one way and high gauge knits behave another way. A low gauge knit if uh, will typically be able to have larger yarns, it'll be bulky, uh, so it will be warmer and more absorbent. A high gauge knit will be thinner and smoother and made with finer yarns. Let's talk about how we can identify some of the weft knits, what they look like. We're going to talk about two main categories, the single knits and the double knits. Uh, the single knits are uh, the sorts of knits that you could make using knitting needles, right? Um, but in this case, we're using this machine. The first type is called Jersey, named after the island of Jersey off the coast of France. This was a fabric that um, uh, Chanel popularized, right? Um, so just sort of this coincidence of having machines that could knit a lot of this fabric and um, very fine gauge fabric and having it be very resilient and comfortable and also um, uh, be really right for the new kind of figure that women were trying to present. You can identify a jersey because it has whales on one side and courses on the other. Jersey fabric always curls towards the whale face. So when you're manufacturing clothing with Jersey, you have to think about how do you stop it from curling? And typically you just fold it back on itself backwards and then that helps to stop the curve. It unravels and runs more easily than any other type of knit. And if you're knitting by hand, you would knit this if you're doing circular knitting by just doing the plain knit stitch over and over. If you're doing um, uh, knitting with uh, single needles, then you have to knit 
you knit the plain stitch on the front side of the fabric and when you turn it around you have to knit backwards. Knitting backwards is what's called a purl stitch. We'll talk about that a bit more in a moment. There are some things that you can do to make this jersey knit kind of cooler. You can do something called a tuck stitch and that's where the uh, stitches, the loop is actually pulled through not only the, the main loop that's on the needle but the loop below so suddenly two loops are included that makes kind of a really tall stitch with a little hole right um, you can do something with missing stitches and that sounds terrible but this would involve using more than one color so when I'm knitting uh, Norwegian uh, uh, Selbustrika Norwegian uh, gloves with cute little patterns in them, stars and roses and things like that for my niece and nephew for Christmas every year, I'll use uh, sort of a cream colored uh, baby wool from, from Norway and uh, maybe pink or blue or purple or green colored baby wool from Norway. I say baby as in the wool that's been um, made really fine to use for baby products. And uh, I will have two colors that I have wrapped around my forefinger. I might even use what's called a Norwegian thimble. It's a, it's a wire spring that you stick over your thumb and has two little loops that can hold one of each of the colors. But I've actually gotten pretty good at actually just having two different colors on my finger. So as I stick the needle through, I choose which color to use. Whichever color I didn't use just floats along the back until I'm ready to use it. And as long as that float isn't more than maybe about four stitches long, um, then it's not so long that it will snag into their little fingers. And um, so that's why you can see a lot of, uh, of uh, uh, Norwegian knitting patterns involve little pops of color every so often just to keep those floats short. Now on a knitting machine, we call this jacquard knitting. Ooh, doesn't that sound familiar? Yes, we stole that word from weaving. And this is where those punch cards come in super handy because what the punch cards actually say is use color A or use color B, right? It's kind of like a zero or a one, right? Like in computer code. So zero is maybe the white color and one would be the navy blue color. And as you pass the carriage by, uh, the little code that was encoded into the machine says, um, you know, use color uh, zero three times, then use color one once, then use color zero two times, and then use color um, one four times. And you would code each line of the knit to tell you uh, which color to use when. Uh, so uh, typically in any given row, there's only two colors that are being changed back and forth. You could have a product where it looks like there's three colors, but that's in fact because we stopped and loaded a different color to be the zero or the one um, in the machine. So jacquard knitting creates a, a figured uh, knit. Uh, let's see, what else could we do with, with um, uh, weft knitting? We could add in extra yarns, like that extra insertion yarn in the Dobby Weave, right? So we, we have this extra yarn that isn't, that is just um, uh, uh, pulled through the loops every so often and then otherwise floats and long floats on the back. And we could cut that yarn to make a, a fake fur. We could cut that yarn close to make a velour or we could leave long loops that are made into knitted terry cloth. Uh, sweatshirt fleece, we would uh, just have this uh, inserted low twist yarn that is then napped, right? So we have an extra yarn that's just included every so often in the looping and um, then is brushed hard from the back side to give us that nice fuzzy sweatshirty side. So all of those are things that we can do with the jersey knit, very versatile. 
the second type of uh, single weft knit is a rib knit. And uh, even my little machine, I can have an attachment that I add that can make the rib knit. But if I'm knitting by hand, rib knitting is easy as pie. I just knit every few stitches backwards so that I actually get the whales on the back side and the courses on the front. And so typically I might knit two uh, knit stitches and then two backwards knit stitches, which are called purl stitches, and then knit, knit two knit stitches and then knit two purl and etc. And the great thing about this is it's reversible because it has courses and whales on both sides. It's the stretchiest knit possible, which is why you'll find it around the necks of your uh, t-shirts or maybe on the uh, cuff of your sweatshirt. Those are made with a rib knit. Uh, you might have a, a knitted cap like a watch cap or a, a fisherman's cap that's made with rib knitting because it's very stretchy and so it stretches nice and fits close to your head. Um, with the collar or the cuff, right, you want to be able to stick your big old fat foot through the bottom and then have it close around your ankle. Unlike a jersey knit, it doesn't curl in either direction because it doesn't have all whales on one side. And uh, we'll typically describe it based on how many um, uh, whales to how many courses. So we might say one by one or two by two or one by two, right? And that will tell us a little bit about what the rib looks like. And I've mentioned that uh, purl knit, what if we just knit backwards the whole time, right? Well, or if we knit backwards on one row and knit forwards on the other row. And okay, here's the way you wanna think about this. Imagine that you had a cheer squad and the cheer squad was doing a pyramid. And on the pyramid, all of the cheerleaders were facing forwards, right? So you had the line of big sturdy guys and then you had the line of smaller, somewhat lighter girls. And then at the very top, you had the one very, very light, very tiny girl. And they were all facing forward. That would be what a jersey knit looks like, right? So the whales would be their faces and the courses would be the little bumps of their bottoms. But what if you made a pyramid where all the guys faced the home team and then standing on their shoulders, the next row of girls all turned backwards and put their face towards the visiting team? Right? And then the very top of the pyramid, we had the one facing back towards the other direction. So we would actually see the little bump of the bottom on both sides of the fabric. So this is the way we can get courses on both sides. Uh, the whales are basically hidden inside the fabric. Um, we don't really use this very often, except in places where we really want an extreme amount of side to side stretch. So it has high crosswise extensibility, which is great for children's clothes. I made a gorgeous uh, uh, knitted uh, dress for my niece, uh, knitted lace with purple wool that I got when I was visiting the Faroe Islands. And the yoke of the dress was made with a pearl knit. It was very fast to knit, but also means that as she grows, the neck and shoulders and chest of the dress will stretch with her growing body. Sure, the dress will get a bit shorter and a bit shorter, right? Until eventually it looks like a little top, but she can still pull it on over her head and have it fit over her shoulders because we use the stretchiest knit possible in the yoke of the little dress. And um, I don't know if she still wears it. She may be tired of it. You know, young people nowadays and all their fashion. So you can identify these different knits pretty quickly by looking at them and saying, oh, do I see uh, whales 
what do I see on the back side, right? Do I see whales and courses on the front and whales and courses on the back? Ribnet. Do I see courses on both sides? Pearlnet. Do I see whales on the front and courses on the back? Jersey knit. Don't you look smart now? So that's what I mainly wanted to teach you about weft knitting. Just enough to be getting on with. In our next episode, our last episode on knits, we'll talk about the weft knitting and what we can do with that.